Welcome to the Mass Device Fast Five MedTech News Podcast, the show that keeps you up to date on the latest breakthroughs in medical technology with the top five news stories to get your day started. I'm your host, Danielle Kirsch, and today Sean Hooley's with me. We're going on just another day of earnings, but once again, we're trying to keep it real minimal here to not bore you with all the numbers and financials and not make Sean say all these big billion dollar numbers. So Sean, why don't you give us a roundup of what we will be talking about today beyond the earnings? I do appreciate you sparing me all the number chat, but it does include a quarterly update from Levanova. But additionally, Olympus launched an operating room visualization system, a feasibility study backed Glucotrax implantable CGM, Teleflex made a big acquisition, and Abbott has a serious class one recall. That's what we'll be discussing today. So let's get that earning story out of the way first. Yep, Levanova stock is up today on its second quarter beats. More earnings, obviously, but good results as well, as we've seen quite a few to start this earnings season. And this one included a increased full year guidance. And what were the company's profits and earnings per share for the second quarter? Levanova posted profits of $1.2 million in the quarter, amounting to about $0.02 cents per share or $0.78 cents on an adjusted basis. And which segment had the greatest revenue growth? The cardiopulmonary business rose by almost 20% year over year, and it also had the largest sales totals with $150.6 million in revenue. Neuromodulation also grew, rising 13.1% to $133.2 million in sales. So those two businesses altogether did quite a bit of the heavy lifting for Levanova. So what did the CEO have to say about the performance of the company? Bill Cozy, the interim CEO and chair, said that in the second quarter, Levanova improved profitability and delivered strong revenue growth across all regions. The performance reflects the effectiveness of our execution in both the cardiopulmonary and neuromodulation businesses, he said. And he looks forward to continuing to work alongside experienced executive leadership team and colleagues with a focus on patients' performance and execution. All right. Now that we have earnings out of the way, what's the next thing that we should know for today? The next thing is that Olympus launched its operating room visualization and integration system. The company continues to expand its digital offerings with this new platform. And what are some of the features and capabilities of that new system? So this easy suite system, Next Generation, is a modular, scalable, workflow-based solution with the Olympus Digital Hub and the flexibility to run current software and potential future multi-specialty applications, including that Olympus Digital Hub that powers current and potential future Olympus and third-party apps. The scalable yet small footprint hardware supports growing customer needs too and requires less OR space. Olympus said it designed the platform as vendor neutral and capable of integrating past, present, and future devices. So you briefly mentioned this, but what are some of the benefits of using the Olympus platform in medical procedures? In addition to that small footprint in the OR taking up less space, it's also got flexibility for multiple specialties and various types of medical procedures to help improve operational efficiencies. So it seems like it's improvements all across the board. How does the launch of EasySuite align with Olympus's larger digital strategy, including its acquisition of Odin Vision? Yeah, so that acquisition sort of kickstarted uh, a movement toward enhancing the digital health business at Olympus. And Sean LaRocco, the VP and global head of customer solutions at Olympus, said that the launch of this system represents Olympus's commitment to delivering intelligent, integrated solutions designed to improve patient care pathways and clinical operations. With an increasing reliance on IT, it's essential that clinicians and nurses have the right data at the right time, allowing them to focus on patient care. So 
this is clearly a, a big initiative at Olympus and they continue to innovate and show, you know, where the hard work is going, I guess. Now let's move on to some diabetes news. A feasibility study has supported the Glucotrack implantable CGM. This is a really interesting space to watch with the popularity of the adhesive non-implanted CGMs, obviously sort of overshadowing the implantable ones. It's it's interesting to see where these implantable ones are going and how they might offer different options for people with diabetes. For sure. So what are the key differentiators that Glucotrack aims to offer with its CGM product? Glucotrack hopes to provide a long-term offering with no requirement for an additional wearable component. And the company also hopes for a once-only calibration for the platform. So essentially it's implanted, calibrates, and then it's worn for that long period. What were the results of the feasibility study regarding that CGM sensor's longevity? So Glucotrack said it had a primary goal of demonstrating that the CGM sensor could reliably report glucose measurements for two years post-implant. Laboratory bench testing confirmed a high probability of a minimum two-year implant longevity with the current sensor design, and a third party using sensor parameters to simulate sensor performance over time independently verified this longevity. So off the top of my head, Sensionics is right now looking for a 365-day implantable sensor. So to double that, you know, would be a pretty big play in that market. Obviously, this is early stages for Glucotrack, but it could be an interesting area to watch. Yeah, it sounds like the study's findings may generate discussions around the future of CGM technology and how implantable solutions could address current limitations of wearable CGMs to revolutionize diabetes care and management. But what are the next steps for Glucotrack after completing this feasibility study? So given the positive results, Glucotrack now plans for long-term animal studies, expecting to begin those later this year. So like I said, Still early days, but, you know, they're they're planning for some big steps ahead. Now, what's this news about Teleflex's latest acquisition? Yeah, Teleflex announced that it agreed to acquire Palette Life Sciences. It looks like it'll provide a big boost for Teleflex's urology portfolio. What is the deal value for the acquisition? The deal includes an upfront cash payment of $600 million at closing, and it also includes up to an additional $50 million upon the achievement of certain commercial milestones. And what type of technology does Palette Life Sciences develop, and do they have any regulatory clearances? The company develops a non-animalized, stabilized hyaluronic acid, or NASHA, spacer, and tissue bulking products. Its Baragel NASHA spacer reduces radiation delivered to the rectum during prostate cancer radiation therapy. It also increases tumor control and patient quality of life. It's easily sculpted, highly visible, and it offers biodegradability, reversibility, and one-step assembly in all sites of service. Baragel has FDA clearance, having received that in May of last year, and it also holds clearance in Australia and Europe. And how does Teleflex plan to incorporate Palette's technology into its business? Teleflex expects the acquisition to further its strategic vision and play a role in providing differentiated technology to urologists and related specialties. The company said that the platform established for its Eurolift system can actually offer a strong runway for the clinical adoption of Baragel as well. So it seems like the infrastructure is sort of already in place to sort of get this thing rolling. All right. And now what's the last thing that we should know? Abbott recalled its Amplatzer delivery sheath. The FDA said this recall is class one, which is the most serious kind. How many devices were recalled and why? 
Abbott initiated a recall of 672 devices because of an increased risk for the introduction of air bubbles or air emboli into patients who have procedures with the device. Have there been any reports of incidents so far? Abbott reported 26 incidents, 16 injuries, and no deaths related to the issue. And what is the company recommending as a solution? Companies asking health providers to return any remaining unused Amplats or steerable delivery sheaths. Clinicians for now should use the fixed curve Torque View 45 degree by 45 degree delivery system for future Amplats or Amulet LAA occluder implants. And that was the fifth story. So that's all that we have for today. Thank you, Sean, for coming on and giving us your insights and sharing all the news that we should know. My pleasure. Read more on the Mass Device website and check out the show notes at massdevice.com slash podcast. Connect with us online. I'm on LinkedIn at Danielle Kirsch, K-I-R-S-H. What about you, Sean? You can find me on LinkedIn, Sean, S-E-A-N, Hooley, W-H-O-O-L-E-Y. Subscribe to the Mastervice Fast Five wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode. Join us tomorrow for your daily MedTech News Roundup. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.